0: Brodo family, welcome back. And do we have an exciting announcement? If you did not catch it last week, we are coming out with the first ever all-encompassing fantasy football app called Fantasy Football by Brodo. On this app, you can get player profiles with every statistic you need, coaching statistics, a social media designed around fantasy football. Holy moly, and you get news, you get coaching stats, you get player specs, you get exclusive stats you can't get anywhere else, player contracts, articles, podcasts, everything that you need to make yourself a fantasy champion is available on Fantasy Football by Brodo. The app is coming soon. Make sure you download it. its It will be available soon on all platforms, including the itunes store and the google play store uh this is the one thing that you need to win fantasy championships fantasy football by Brodo, the app coming soon now let's get it started Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. What up, Tim? Yo, 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 Michael. Very, uh, as we said in the in the opening, very exciting, man. We've been working hard on this app, and it is extremely exciting to see it all come to fruition. It's going to be available for everyone very shortly. Yep. Um. You know, final so, few
1: kinks and such.
0: Yeah. Working out the kinks right now. We just had thank you, everyone who beta tested for us. Uh, that was a phenomenal, phenomenal piece of feed. Well, all of it was phenomenal feedback. And we've made um, we've made strides based on that feedback. So thank you so much. If you were a beta tester uh, uh, trying out our product, we appreciate it. And you are helping make it an even better product when it is ready to come out. Um, today we have a very exciting show for you. Uh, the college football guy that we go to the most, the one that we know will be the most prepared, the most organized and have the best insight on these college players is Thor Nystrom. He is going to join us on the Real Recognized Real Hotline in the second half of the show today. Very exciting stuff. Uh, but before we get into that, there today was a big day in terms of franchise tags. Uh, there are, are players that were, Given the flan- franchise tag, there are players that were not given the franchise tag. We're going to be talking about those players. So, Michael, you want to get right into it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was a exciting day or not exciting, depending on who you're talking about in the uh, in the football world. And that's
0: facts. Um, you know, first of all, before we get into anything, actually, Michael texted us that said the Drake project wasn't fire. And I just have to, as a person who literally just finished working out, before, well I ate dinner before this, but right before dinner, I just finished working out to that album, which is only three songs, on replay on a loop. I just I don't I, get it. I just I beg don't to understand. Different. What
1: what everything. about it? it? Like what about it? It's like so great. I just don't get it. It has everything. Great I'm just songs, listening to it. Lyrical like, content. Waiting, waiting to like be pulled in. I don't know how you're not pulled in. But again, I've also I, I never don't get really it. been a, a big Drake guy to begin
0: with, so as you could tell by Michael's voice, white. Tim, you're also white, man. Yeah, but I'm not like white, white like you. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever well, like, that means, man. Like if I, I put Caucasian on my thing, but
1: you're an no, idiot. I you're I, an
0: I, idiot. Grew, I I grew up a little differently in terms of like uh like that. My I'm more cultured in terms of my musical and uh, oh, yeah. my interests. You're so, so cool, that
1: Jason, and I are super lame. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Jason's on here, by the way, in case you didn't realize yet. Um, he has some uh, Cornell Law School um, duties to take care of. So he will be on next week's pod again, but he could not make it today, unfortunately.
0: So, Jason's a judge right now. Jason's judging. Yeah. He's not even lawyering. He's judging. Judging a mock trial. So Jason is out here very, 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 very hard. All right, so let's get to the first news because I think this was the the most important news. It finally happened, a four year, one hundred and sixty million dollar contract with one hundred and twenty six million dollars guaranteed. Oh, duh, baby! Talk about ching Talk about betting on yourself and it working out. Dak Prescott finally gets the comfort. That He has been looking for uh, the Cowboys show faith. They saw what it was right like it's be careful what you wish for because you just might get it Dak Prescott was the franchise quarterback since he took over for Tony Romo in that injured year and he has not looked back and It's finally about time that they recognized it good for Dak uh, It's gonna be interesting to see if the Cowboys can keep that that core around him that they have right now because the Cowboys had that window where Dak was on that on that really low contract um, so, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they maneuver around that and how they keep all their pieces in place to keep Dallas a contender. Um, but, you know, one of the more talented rosters in the league still. It seems like we're saying we say that every year, every year, every year. Um, how are you feeling about this for the Cowboys?
1: I mean, I think you're pushing it a little bit, saying one of the most talented um, overall teams in the league. I mean,
0: on offense, they have one of the best O lines. Yeah, sure, league. on
1: offense, I'll give you that. I, right, yeah, on. No one's ever hold really on, doubted that but- offense.
0: Yeah, sure. But two years ago, I know they they've been they lost some personnel since then, but two years ago, they were one of the top defenses in the league and they still have one of the top edge rushers in the league. They still have a decent secondary. It's not like it was. They just have they just have linebacker issues and they, they have more issues than that on defense. But like this is not a, a, a broken defense. This is a defense that could definitely turn it around next year with a couple pickups.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. Anyone out there who's talking about uh oh, Cowboys are dumb or why would they give Dak Prescott that much money no. clearly is still living under the rock that is not valuing quarterbacks correctly. Because you absolutely need an elite or at least close to elite quarterback to be very good for many years in the NFL. Like look at just look at the teams that are always good and the teams that always suck. And it always basically goes back to quarterback. The only guy that sticks out right away that doesn't really fall into that is Matt Stafford. But that's just because the Lions team around him has been so ridiculously bad for years. And it's not Matt Stafford's fault. But generally, all the best teams always have the best damn quarterbacks. And it's an it's a QB league, especially now with like the way the uh, defensive pass interference rules are and the, you can't really... Push as much and it's not as physical, and QBs are going crazy, throwing for more yards than ever before. Like, it's a passing league, so you need a great QB. Anyone who still questions if Dak Prescott's a great QB is bugging out. I mean, yeah, sure, the Cowboys don't have a lot of money to spend at the moment and probably are not Super Bowl contenders unless they get a couple, add a couple pieces. But guess what? They now have their quarterback, which is the main piece you build from there.
0: Uh, yeah, I I agree, and I think that this is good news for everyone. I actually just wrote an article. Um, is it on the website yet? It should be on the website soon. If it's, it's not on the, not website, on the yet. website yet, no. Michael, what is it? What's up, bro? What's up, bro?
1: I'm the, I'm the I'm the guy who has to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I it know, will gotta, be I've been working today. You know, working out. It's now we're recording. Oh, it's a busy day. And
0: wo- working and working out. Oh my God! It sounds like a, a the tremendously terrible. It, it, no, I'm just kidding. I actually no, I didn't, didn't work out today. Um,
1: I didn't. Why are have, you lying to me? Then? I didn't have much free time. My workout today was going to Astoria Park with Jason, and we uh threw the pigskin around for a bit.
0: Oh, cool! Thanks for the invite. Appreciate that. Um, shout so... out—we
1: saw Joe Sanagato running on the track. Shout out, Joe. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> there you go. It, you know, I would have saw him too had you invited me.
1: Yeah. What are you gonna do? Tis life. Oh, no, I
0: I can't be part of that. Um, just Let's because I have a better arm for the-
1: making fun of us. Yeah.
0: Okay. Just <laughs> um, Dak Prescott, uh, yeah, I think I think it's it's a great move. I think everyone's happy. Um, Amari Cooper's happy. C.D. Lamb's happy. Ezekiel Elliott's happy. Michael Gallup's probably happy. Who got completely left behind last last year? Um, everyone in the building is happy in Dallas. So good for them. Uh, an interesting move here is this is not the big move. We're gonna mention some offensive line moves as well, though, because I do want to mention the offensive line moves because they're underrated. I think one of the biggest indicators of an improvement uh, for a team overall is how much better their offensive line gets year by year, especially for offenses. I mean, you saw it with, let's say the the Colts are the most recent example of a team who completely turned everything around in terms of production as soon as they got an offensive line. Um, You know, so I I think that you you see that interesting move. uh, The Dolphins acquired Isaiah Wilson from the Titans. Isaiah Wilson was a first round pick last year. Got a DUI. Was on my COVID list twice. Played three snaps all year. A bunch of off-field issues. He's a interesting fella. But he was a first-round pick, and the tight and the Dolphins got him for a swap of seventh-round picks. So, yeah. literally got him for nothing. So maybe that works out for the Dolphins. That really Brandon- hurts.
1: That really hurts if you're a Tennessee Titan fan. Word for it to um, for it to work out that terribly.
0: <laughs> Brandon Sher is it Sheriff? Sheriff. Sheriff. Yeah, Sheriff. Um the new sheriff in you know, town. Yeah, I mean, very good, very good guard, right guard, Brandon Sheriff. He goes back to Washington. Um, Devin Funches making seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars less to remain with the Patriots in 2021. Interesting, interesting. I, I know that the twins don't like Devin Funches. The Patriots acquired What's Trent Brown. What's to like Brown. about
1: Devin Funches? Jeez, Louise. We'll to... talk
0: about Devin Funches eventually. We will uh, not. The, Patri- <laughs> the Patriots acquired uh, right tackle Trent Brown, who is a very good player, um, from the Raiders in exchange See, for a 2020 fifth-round pick. This is a salary dump by the Raiders.
1: The, uh, the, the um, sentiment that the Patriots, oh, they're so good in the draft and such, this is where the Patriots excel. Trades like a fifth-round pick for Trent Brown. Because yeah. you get a solid offensive line piece for a fifth round pick because the Raiders didn't want to pay him, and taking advantage of situations like that can certainly lead to, like, there's no chance really that a fifth round pick or a very very slight chance has the same impact that Trent Brown is going to have for that team next season. So that's
0: yeah, it's a good move. It's it's a you know, in savvy. order to it makes sense because they also made. A less savvy move, and they let uh, who, a guy who played on the franchise tag last year, Joe Tooney, leave the building. He's an all-pro guard. Uh, 15th highest-rated guard in, in 2015 by fo- uh, by Pro Football Focus. 2020? Oh,
1: and, what said, did I say? You said
0: 2015. Oh, the 15th highest-rated guard in oh, 2020. Okay. Uh, excuse me. Um, I mean, only three penalties in the last two seasons. Uh, he's a standout he's he's one of those players who is uh a, a difference maker so he's going to be highly regarded and i mean i'm a jets fan and the jets need everything and have a lot of cast breaks the first thing i said was he should be target number one free agency for the jets um i, that I think that this nice. is he's gonna be he's gonna make a difference with someone
1: yeah uh every time a good offensive lineman is on the market you you should hope that your team drafts him it may or not drafts him signs him. It may not be the the shiny look at this spectacular player type signing. Like uh, the the team who signs Kenny Galladay is going to be super ecstatic about it. A strong offensive lineman is more important than a wide receiver is, but it just doesn't have the same
0: appeal to the eye. I mean, yeah, because you you, you see him go up. Now, if someone can get both Tooney and Galladay, now you're talking. talking. Um, (laughs) Nice. Let's get to these franchise tags that are actually going to make a difference on the field. The Bucks use their franchise tag on Chris Godwin. This is something that um, we saw coming. Uh, there was no way they're going to let that offense break up after what happened last season. I called Chris Godwin a bust last season, but not because he didn't produce when he was on the field, just because he didn't live up to his fantasy billing in terms of drafting. But I feel like he'll he'll ease his way into the third, fourth round, by this time by the time we're doing drafts next year and he's a great value there in this offense where you know tom brady likes to go uh to his inside weapons in the slot uh chris godwin maybe he could have been a super super duper star in fantasy somewhere else but it's good to see no it's good to know he's going to a place that appreciates him and will use him for sure
1: yeah but i I really wanted to see him go to indy i mentioned that on a previous pod where we talked about ideal landing spots i thought that would have been a great fit. Obviously, it's going to be a little crowded in Tampa, and we probably shouldn't expect the year that we saw from him a couple years ago, but I do agree that he may end up being a uh, a solid value in drafts, depending where his ADP lands. Early on um, in FFPC drafts and such, it seems
0: like he uh, he's a good value. Let the clamoring begin. Let the rumors begin. Kenny Galladay will not be franchised, and it looks like Marvin Jones, his counterpart, also will not be franchised or or put or not it will not be franchised, but not even be on the team next year. Um they're not they're not coming back. Uh the the Lions are in rebuild mode. The Lions are trying to go somewhere else. Uh they have a team that has said multiple times that they're trying to be a very run-oriented type team. They talked about using DeAndre Swift in the slot. They've spent a lot of high draft picks on wide receivers. And uh, someone in the Discord today asked us what do you think the the lions are going to do you think they're going to draft a wide receiver to replace them and jason responded with no i think that they've been drafting wide receivers high and it hasn't done shit for them so i think they're going with an entirely new direction and i think that that's something that you could that yeah i think that's true um so for the lions that's the case but for kenny galladay now he's gonna get a big contract somewhere and i mean he can go anywhere for I, like i said i'm a jets fan i hope Galladay comes to the Jets. He's just one of those guys who slots in as a number one receiver, has never had any off-field issues. He's had some injury issues, but he's never had anything, any diva issues like guys in uh, of his ilk at his position. He's going to be a highly, highly coveted free agent.
1: You know it would be fire? Not going to happen because of cap space issues. If Kenny Galladay went to LA with Stafford, have Woods, Cup, and Galladay all lined up at all times, that would be absolutely ridiculous.
0: Oh, interesting. A report that came out a little while ago is the Miami Herald reported that the Dolphins are expected to show considerable interest in free agent Kenny Galladay.
1: Yeah, they look there. There's uh rumblings about them going after Aaron Jones as well. Looks like the Dolphins are going for it.
0: They better find I mean, themselves a
1: quarterback then.
0: I, I'm, I'm not giving up on Tua the same way that you are. <laughs> um, Hunter Henry. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that the Chargers will not use their franchise tag on Hunter Henry. I think this is definitely a regime shifting type move right again this is a new regime coming in um you have a guy from the rams coming in and joe stanley who who will joe Staley, excuse me who is kind of bringing in his own squad now and it's kind of changing the culture and you know it's important to remember and we haven't mentioned it yet but we should it's important to remember that the nfl cap is based on revenue the previous season and revenue dropped significantly because of COVID last year. So there's rumblings and I don't think the number is official yet, but there's rumblings that this year's cap is going to be $20 million less than last year's cap was. So there's going to be a lot of cap casualties and a lot of teams are not going to have the luxury to pay a guy like Hunter Henry big money. I think that what we're going to see from some of these free agents is uh, like a hunter henry is one year prove it kind of deals and if they get that one year prove it kind of deals they're going to be wanting to prove it so look out for those guys who should be getting long-term contracts like a hunter henry who maybe won't because of this uh this whole debacle with covid and you know when you put a guy like that with all that skill that hunter henry has in a corner and you give him one year to prove it Players play better in contract years. That's just facts. This is what it is. So Hunter Henry, depending on where he lands, could be a a sleeper because we know how talented he is. How do you feel about this?
1: I tweeted earlier today. Some some team out there is going to overpay for Hunter Henry. Um, He was finally healthy for a full season this year. Age 25 to 26 season, 90 targets. And he was just, I mean, he was a huge letdown, dude. He was sixth in the league in targets. He had 14 red zone opportunities. And the dude ended with just over 10.5 fantasy points per game, was 47th in points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns, one of our exclusive stats, was 5th in true target value and and did not live up to that either. I mean, it just he was just a letdown. If anyone told you, like, Justin Herbert was going to have this good of a rookie season and Hunter Henry was going to be healthy... I would have been like, oh, man, Hunter Henry is going to end up being one of the best draft day values. Instead, he was just this whatever guy that because he was a tight end, he was useful. But he was nowhere near like what he should have been for the targets he was seeing and like the way he's treated just as a player.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, mm. Yeah. Rookie. Rookie quarterbacks do usually go to tight ends, but yeah, Herbert was releasing that shit. He was, he was letting it rip, so I don't know. I think Hunter Henry is, is, is sneaky. Put him on a one-year deal. The guy has a lot of talent. I mean, I'm not saying he's well, not
1: going to be a decent tight end. He's clearly a solid tight end, but like some team is going to overpay him, paying him as if he's like this elite guy, in my opinion.
0: One guy that did get franchise tagged is wide receiver Allen Robinson. So he will stay with the Bears. For those of you who don't know what franchise tagging is, because sometimes uh, when you're listening to these things, people just kind of gloss over the definitions of this stuff. A franchise tag is when a player is a free agent from a team, and that, that team can decide to si- franchise that player, which means they're automatically back on the team for a one-year deal that pays them the average of the top five players at that position. So, Allen Robinson is going back to the Bears on a one year, $16.4 million, completely guaranteed. So, you know, franchise tags usually work out for both parties um, because all, all the money is guaranteed uh, and you do get that one year prove it deal. And after that, a lot of people do get big deals. Uh, so, Allen Robinson is going to live another year in Chicago. Uh, free Allen Robinson, man. This guy is one of the most talented players in the league, and we only got to see him with. You know, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, and Blake Bortles, it's its a travesty.
1: Yeah, A-Rob was the exact guy I had in mind when I started the episode by saying some happy and some not-so-happy franchise tags. This is the number one not-so-happy franchise tag here. It's very, very upsetting because you'd, you'd hope that Allen Robinson was free and able to sign wherever he wanted. And the assumption is that he would have chosen a good quarterback and he would have been able to actually play with a good quarterback for once because you've seen how... Dynamic and how productive he could be with trash quarterbacks, but I guess it's another year of will. Mitch, will Mitchell Trubisky take a step up? No, he won't.
0: Well, Mitchell Trubisky is, a, is is a free agent too, so we'll see who's taking a step up over there. Um, Chris Carson, interesting name on the free agent list, will not be getting franchised. It's not. I mean, it, he he would have got eight point six. At 8.68 million dollars under the franchise tag, that's just not what Seattle's doing right now. They are in salary cap hell. Um man, this is a guy who at 26 years old, he's got an injury history, but at the same time, one of the more productive backs every time he's on the field. There are some big spots where he can land. And I, I think Buffalo is the spot that we talked about already, the spot that I would love to see him land. If he can land in a spot where he's the feature back, Chris Carson has a chance to be someone who really takes a step up in fantasy next year. But he's got to be in the right situation.
1: Yeah, I think due to the injury concerns and stuff too, I think he's going to end up getting a deal that isn't like if he I, he'll probably get like a three-year, nine million dollar deal, and it's going to be a, a solid signing for whoever gets him, in my opinion. I do expect him to go to a team where he has a role. He's proven that he should have a decent uh, role in a backfield, whether it's starting or. Uh, running back by committee, which tends to be the norm these days.
0: The biggest neck in the game, Jonu Smith, also not being franchised, making him a free agent. Good news for Anthony sir. Jonu Smith greater than Hunter Henry, by the way. Ooh.
1: That's a hot take. I mean, yeah, the dude had a, a very, um, like, 60 targets, I believe. Had a very productive season in those targets. Every game he saw a uh, decent amount of targets. He was very good. He's super athletic. He, If he had the 90 targets Hunter Henry got, I guarantee you he'd be a no-brainer. Uh, like, oh, snap, he's on the market right now. Like, someone's going to pay him big time. But he isn't, so I think a team, one team out there who needs a tight end is going to get a pretty solid deal in Jonu Smith.
0: So interesting, just, just to add, like, Jonu Smith, yes, Good player. I'm not sure if I'm as big on Jonah Smith. I mean, he checks all the boxes in terms of the dude is giant. He's fast. He could catch. Checks all those boxes. But I'm not sure I'm sold on Jonah Smith, the player. Just putting that out there. But he will be, if someone can get him for a good price, he will be uh, definitely interesting. Although we're going to have a lessons learned uh, in the 2020 season episode coming up soon. And one of the lessons is it's never tight end season. So a little preview of that. Uh, just, just for the record, Dak Prescott has been franchised by the Cowboys. They are going to get him a long-term deal. This is just to make sure he doesn't go and pull a, um, a oh, Carlos Boozer. Yeah, he doesn't. Just so he doesn't pull a Carlos Boozer. Carlos Boozer, um, nice. Do you remember that yeah. Carlos Boozer had a deal in place with the Bulls? The Bulls like did I know the Bulls did something or other? They got him, and then all of a sudden he just left to the Jazz and didn't say anything. Um, Aaron Jones interesting Rob uh, ESPN's Rob Demofsky expects Aaron Jones to walk but when asked about Aaron Jones the Packers said that they believe Aaron Jones is quote a part of their future so interesting not franchised but they say he's a part of their future it looks like Aaron Jones could be heading somewhere else Miami looks like a really good destination for him How are you feeling about Aaron Jones and this news, and like, where do you you hope he ends up for fantasy purposes?
1: Yeah, I mean, a little odd that they did that, like to not franchise him when they want to keep him, quote-unquote. Maybe they're just trying to – they're just saying that publicly because, I mean, they do have Jamal Williams. They have A.J. Dillon, who they spent a second-round pick on erroneously last year, but what are you going to do? They now have A.J. Dillon. If they believe he's the next guy to step up and be their lead back, then – They don't really need Aaron Jones anymore, even though, I mean, Aaron Jones is a monster. He was first in rushing yards over expected um, this previous season, um, even on seeing nowhere near like the amount of touches of Derrick Henry, who was second. Look, if he goes to Miami, Miami has shown that they want to use a workhorse back. Aaron Jones would be in for by far the biggest workload of his career, I assume. Um, He's 26 now, I believe, or 25, 26. And that's typically when... You don't want to extend running backs, but he does not have the work that typical like like the Zeke twenty six year olds do. Um the one thing that the Packers have done in not using him as a workhorse is keeping him more fresh throughout the season and going forward. So that's something they de- they don't really need to worry about at this point. I think Aaron Jones will age over the next three, four years pretty pretty uh gracefully. So I do think wherever he lands he'll have he'll be very solid for several years and Look, Miami said they're interested in him. They want a workhorse back. Sorry, Miles Gaskin, Salvan Ahmed, and company. But if I'll, if Aaron Jones goes there, it's going to be a very, very nice uh, spot for Jones to just really just get a whole ton of work compared to what he did in the Green Bay. Like, I expect the efficiency won't likely be the same because you're going from Aaron Rodgers to Tua, but he'll likely make up for that in volume.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, for whatever it's worth, Marquise Valdez Scantling, um, says that he's the best running back in football and that he doesn't want him to go. If I mean, that makes a
1: difference. he has a, he has a point. He is one of the best running backs in football. So MVS
0: isn't, uh, just saying random shit. He's telling the truth. So that's all for the franchise tags and the news segment, but uh we have a special guest today, a very, very special guest. Fe- speaking about franchise tags. If we had to franchise tag a guest, <laughs> Thor Nystrom would be on the top of that list. He's about to be the the first ever three time visitor of the real recognized real hotline. Uh we have not had a guest uh because it's been the regular season and all that, and it's now the off season. So guest time is on. And it was it was a real pleasure to talk to Thor. Um, he is he's a great dude uh just really loves college football and really loves football and you could tell and he's yeah. super knowledgeable about it we had a great conversation can't wait for you guys to hear it
1: yeah it's it's pretty nuts listening to everything he has to say without like he doesn't have notes in front of him or anything the dude's yeah. just talking like it's all in his brain <laughs> yeah it's it's great but yeah let's uh let's as michael's
0: about as michael's about to intro this guy is an encyclopedia of knowledge let's pick his brain a little bit what do you say mike let's do
1: it and now with the first real recognized real segment of the 2021 year, we have one of the best guys in the college football universe. Um, he is the lead uh, NFL this is college football and NFL draft analyst for NBC Sports Edge, formerly known as Roto World. Um, for those who are living under a rock, the best name in the game with the encyclopedic brain, Mister Thor Nyström. What's going on, Thor?
2: Hey guys, good to be here. How you doing?
0: Good, good, man. Third straight year, third straight year on the podcast, bringing us, uh, bringing our listeners, uh, the inside knowledge about these rookies that they don't get anywhere else.
2: I hope you don't have too many other three-time guests. I hope I'm in like the ring of honor at this point. I'd
0: you say- are our first three-time guest ever, nice. as of right now. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm
2: I'm on the Mount Rushmore of Brodo fantasy. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Love uh, it.
0: Speaking of that, speak. This is a different year than any other year we've had you on. Uh, COVID has. Really changed the pace of everything. Just found out that the salary cap is going to be about $20 dollars $20 less. Um, there's less college tape on these college football guys who have played less games. Some of them sat out. Like, I mean, Jamar Chase comes to mind as someone who didn't even play last year. So the question is, how do you? How does the your, you know, going into this process, how does your a uh, whole process change in terms of in terms of analyzing these guys, in terms of ranking these guys, and in terms of projecting these guys.
2: Uh, mine didn't change much outside of the fact that I, I didn't get to go to the senior bowl or the combine. Um, no one gets to go to the combine, unfortunately. Um, but outside, and then the only other thing is, and this is a, another thing you know with with everyone is just we don't get as much of the most important metric for every prospect, which is as you mentioned their their final season of tape um which which just means that more projection is introduced um for each each prospect that doesn't have a full catalog of tape you know particularly in that last season um so it just th- there's going to be a lot more variance um you know like between different people that have this job that do rankings and stuff like that but i also think there's going to be a lot more variance than in typical years um between Different teams as draft boards, um, and I think that's only natural. Again, because um, because of that less game tape, there's going to be more projection going on, um, and there's naturally going to be more disagreement. Um, the more projection you have to make, because there's you know it's 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 less of something that is based in reality. So there's going to be less uniformity, you know, amongst the opinions.
0: Uh, so let's get right into these guys because one of the guys that sticks out. Um, and, you know, everyone's talking about the quarterbacks right now. And the, and the big five quarterbacks, some of the big guys have all five of these quarterbacks going in the first 10 picks of the draft. So of course, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. So the question is, I want to know about Ju- uh, uh, Wilson. I want to know about. Here's a guy who played at BYU He played six games, didn't really play a bit, great competition. And now people have him going as a second pick in the draft. Um, a guy that a lot of people respect, Chris Sims, who called Josh Allen three years ago as the best quarterback out of that draft is now saying that Zach Wilson is the best quarterback over Trevor Lawrence in this draft. How do you feel about Zach Wilson? And do you think that his skills translate to the next level?
2: Um, I'll say, first of all, that Chris Sims is my boy. He's, he's my colleague, um, I'll also say, um, yeah, he, he called Josh Allen, but I, I distinctly remember um, walking out to the parking lot with him uh, after an NBC symposium two or three years ago during Drew Locke's draft class, arguing with him about Drew Locke and promising him, uh, Chris Sims, you are wrong about Drew Locke. <laughs> I, i know that your father played at the nfl quarterback for two decades and has been an analyst ever since then and that you played in college in the nfl and now you have an analyst job too and you guys know more about quarterback play that i you know you have forgotten more than i'll ever know but nevertheless i guarantee you you are wrong about drew lock we, we we had just like this huge argument um he's not always right um and so but it, Anyway, um, to, to, to to the point about Wilson, like the the people that love Wilson, I mean, like we can all agree that he has um, numerous uh, you know, a, a catalog of NFL throws that that that, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, um, unimpeachable that that he has an NFL arm. Yes, um, that where where we start to disagree on exactly how high he should go or, you know, how valuable of a draft prospect he is. Um, that gets into what you were talking about uh, before um, that that has to do with the the strength of schedule and the viability of the game that he plays and you know what he was able to do against the competition he was doing it and how that translates to the NFL Um, just a little backstory for people that aren't aware Uh, Zach Wilson he started as a true freshman at BYU was the youngest guy to ever do it uh, start at BYU he had a solid season Um, his his I mean, for sort of context, his PFF grade as a true freshman was just slightly over 80, which is solid for a true freshman. Um, Trevor Lawrence is slightly over 90 as a true freshman, just to give you an idea. Um, But it's still solid. Um, and then as a sophomore, Wilson um, played through a couple injuries and was not as good. Like, you know, it, you know his, his numbers dropped across the board, just to give you the one number as, as far as the PFF thing, his, his grades dropped into the mid-70s. Um, and then last season was his last year in, in college, his, his true junior year. And that was the one season that he was, a, you know, the bona fide stud that, that we all saw. But the issue is that, that one year where he was the superstar and the mega god, he played the number eighty nine SP plus schedule, and it was even it was even worse than that because, for instance, um, one of the um, a, a team that would have been in the top half of the defenses that he played UCF, they played them in the bowl game. Um, UCF had numerous opt outs in that game, including Richie Grant, their their star safety, and uh, Aaron Robinson, their their star cornerback. Um, uh, Zach Wilson was ripping up their third stringers in in that game. Um, so Zach Wilson basically shredded two like I am talking shredded in terms of like 90 plus you know PFF great game grade um you know accuracy no mistakes etc uh two top 60 defenses um you know of course you know he did, just didn't get to play many of them um but that that you know that that sort of goes back to my point um the the other thing is so so you have you have that. Um then the other thing is that the thing that Zach Wilson was so good at the, the, there's other things that explain the reason that he got much better last season outside of just, you know, Zach Wilson was bit by a mutant spider, you know, while he was rehabbing off of his injuries and all of a sudden he turned to, you know, Peter Parker went into Spider Man, whatever. Uh there, there's other things that explain it you know even beyond the the, the the bad schedule first of all they they changed their offensive philosophy a little bit where they went to went to this wide zone uh running scheme where they did a lot more play action off of this um the, this scheme and their offensive line got a lot better where their offensive line ranked in the top 10 basically in every advanced metric including in run blocking but also in pass blocking so zach Wilson was never facing um, pressure even on these these deep throws. Well, uh, off of play action concepts, off of this wide zone, and they were a tremendous running team. People don't talk about this, but the tremendous running team they, they, they have—sort of a no-name running back who was like top ten, you know, and all sort of the the, the runs per carry stats, etc. Um, but what 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 Zach Wilson would do off this concept, off the play action concept, is he would typically always throw deep to, uh, in particular, Dax Milne. Um, in the NFL, you. They they do do a lot of um, wide zone concepts and they do do a lot of play action throws off of off of wide zone. Um, But what they what the NFL uses that for is to uh, throw balls over the middle and layer balls over the middle um, because you you use that play action, um, those concepts to create spacing, um, particularly from the linebackers and the safeties. Those are um, two of the positions that are going to be affected their movement, um, you know, immediately after the snap by sort of that eye candy um, Two guys that are not are the two boundary cornerbacks. And so. Um, you know, as an offense, you're giving something up to do the play action, right? You're you're giving the the quarterbacks back to the defense for a second. You're you're taking a little bit longer for that play to develop, etc. Um, you wouldn't do that um to take a, a deep shot in that way because you are not getting anything back from the defense. The the outside cornerback again is is not affected by that. Um so in you know guys in the NFL like you know just in your mind's eye it's like you know Baker Mayfield and you know Jared Goff you know guys that are bootlegging out and you know sort of throwing over the middle you know of of these play action um Ken Zach Wilson do that in the NFL maybe but he's going to have to adapt his game you know he's he's going to have to change the way he plays he like he trusts the the power of his arm way more than he he trusts the touch of his arm um and so again he would always prefer to throw it way downfield and he had this awesome offensive line his his pressure uh numbers are ludicrously low especially for a quarterback who is always just sitting there in the pocket waiting 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 and you know to throw these these deep balls or whatever um i i mentioned the the top 10 offensive line going going against the crappy schedule and then you also have a day three wide receiver prospect in milney and then you have a day three tight end um in Matt Bushman. And of course your left tackle is, is probably day two prospect in, in Brady Christensen. And so I always find it funny when people are like, Oh, you know, th- these other quarterback prospects, they got to play with really good players, but you know, uh, Zach Wilson, he, 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 you know, he was playing with nobody. It's like, okay, BYU finishes a top 10 team last year and they played no one. They, yeah. th- they were playing high school teams. And so my whole point is like, when Zach the, the only times where he his numbers went down at all last year is when teams could get pressure on him. Um, and so my my whole point in my column was, um, the one way you would defend Zach Wilson if you could is you would try to get pressure on him while simultaneously trying to take away the deep shots because he's always hunting for them. So you would basically just be like, no, Zach, I'm sorry. You're, no. you're not throwing deep on us today. Tough shit. Like, you're going to have to beat us over the middle. You're going to have to beat us on timing throws. We're, we're going to force you to do it. And then, again, you you would try to get, um, you know, do pressure as well. Um, the teams that he was facing last season, they were not equipped to keep extra help back while simultaneously getting a pass rush. In fact, the defenses he, were, he was facing were so bad, they could do neither of the two. <laughs> um mostly. Right. So, I mean, you know, t- typically not only was he facing no pressure in these situations, but also he was getting one-on-one uh, mil knee deep. So, th- you know, that was his game last season. And again, yes, there was lots of really cool throws and, you know, he got to do the whole Johnny Manziel thing and run around and, you know, chuck it up. And it was a lot of fun for everybody. Um, But the, the translation of his game um, I, I don't think people are putting as much thought into that. I, I think they're just sort of getting seduced by some of these clips they're seeing. And, you know, the, again, the, the arm is, is good and, and, and the accuracy sometimes is really good. But um, this is the least physically gifted of the top four quarterbacks. Wow. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, if, if you talk about arm strength, Lawrence hasn't blown out because Lawrence has the the strongest arm in the class. Lance is definitely number two. Lance has a bazooka and I put Wilson and fields are really close. Um, I mean, they're, they're probably a dead heat. And then as far as athleticism, Zach Wilson is clearly number 4. Behind, wow, really. Behind those three. People, it's it is not even close. That's what people are, are highlighting for him. Like his mm, his, mm. his movement, his ability to throw on the run. I mean, f- Fields and I mean, Fields is one of the the yeah. great dual-threat quarterbacks of all time. Trey Lance is a, just a ludicrous athlete. Yeah. Like running, you know, like uh t- you're talking like wide receiver speed, um running back power and he's like, you know, 6'3" 230 and it's all muscle. And then Trevor Lawrence is a stupid athlete. Like, yeah. people don't get this about Trevor Lawrence, but, like, um w- w- one example that I point to, it's not just, like, I mean, if you watch him, like, run option and, and stuff like that, like, you'll see it. Like, he's just very fat because he's, like, 6'6", and he's a long galloper, and he just so happens to be very athletic. It's, it's shocking. Um, But one area that you can see it is if you watch uh, Travis Etienne film, every now and again when Etienne breaks a, a long run, you will notice Trevor Lawrence zoom up behind him and catch him in the open field because Lawrence wants to throw a block. Um Cause Lawrence is also like, he's like sunshine from, he looks like sunshine from uh <laughs> remember the Titans, but he's also like, uh he's also a tough bastard. Like yeah. he, you know, like when he's running. Like uh, yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't, he doesn't go, he doesn't like to slide. He doesn't like to go out of bounds. Like um, he will throw his full body weight and his full six, six frame forward, like in the linebackers and stuff. And, um, urban Meyer going to tell him on day one, Trevor, if you do that, the first <laughs> time you do that, I'm going to yank your ass. And, you know, obviously he's not going to do that, but, um, <laughs> You know, Lawrence was a guy that, again, you know, th- would throw blocks downfield and do all that sort of stuff, but, you know, very athletic kid. But g- going back to Wilson, um, you know, in terms of all of it, he's the frailest of them. He's the least athletic of them. Um, and in terms of arm strength, you know, he'd be he, for me, he's tied for third. Um, I, and you I, and you you can, you can, and by the way, look at the PFF longest throws. It, this isn't just my conjecture. Look at the PFF longest throws. Like he and Will, or I'm sorry, he and Fields' as longest throws are literally. I think they're within a yard of each other in college. Like the, their longest charted throw, and then. Lance and Lawrence got him beat. So I mean, it's like the eye test plus just the metrics. You know what I mean?
0: I'm I'm not gonna uh, he sit here and act like I'm a quarterback whisperer or anything, but I agree with you on Zach Wilson. Like I I just don't see what everyone else is seeing. I'm a Jets fan too, so it's very nerve wracking uh, to to go into this. Michael, you have a question uh, if you want to follow up.
1: Yeah, um, I wanted to get over to because I don't know if we've ever had anyone on the podcast so. Freshly off of an article. You literally posted your wide receiver article like two (laughs) minutes before getting on this podcast. Yeah, I did. Um, So we didn't even have time to dive into it yet. So I wanted to get, uh, I wanted to hear a little bit about that article, who your uh, favorite wide receiver targets are in this year's draft
2: yeah that's funny uh yeah for people listening i was i was apologizing to the guys for like the last (laughs) hour before the show started because i had to push the time back on them um and then i was late even besides that because i was just furiously trying to get this column up today which which ended up being it it was so long it ended up turning into a (laughs) two-parter um which was not the plan that 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 start that became the plan at like five I don't know what time is like it was like at five thirty central tonight. my boss called me and asked me what the progress was and I told him how long it was. um and it was it's 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 the longest column I've ever put out at Nbc. it it wow. turned out to be it almost hit ten thousand words. It was uh ninety five holy moly ninety five <laughs> fifty. yeah, it it got stupid long. and I ranked down to wide receiver fifty. like it it just got really stupid. but anyway, we ended up breaking it into two parts. so um yeah, anyway. Um. Yeah. So. So I've been in wide receiver world now for for a little <laughs> bit. Um. It, what was your question? I'm sorry.
1: Oh, just like who? Uh, who are your uh like favorite guys of this year's draft class?
0: I, I want to really know too. Like your 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 thoughts on Jamar Chase because the you you're you're a Minnesota Vikings fan, correct? Yeah. 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 So you got to see Justin Jefferson and his explosion up close, and people say, and this is not a stretch, that when those two guys are on the field together. Jamar Chase was the superior athlete. So I, I, I also like overall the wide receivers, but if you could also talk about Jamar Chase and, and how you feel about him, because he didn't put up any tape this year.
2: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting because in 2019, LSU had the best offense in college football history, and they had the best passing offense in college football history. And like you're mentioning, Jamar Chase was the best receiver on that team. And you don't need to take my word for it. He won the Bolitnikoff Award. That's the best receiver in the nation. Um, Justin Jefferson was the slot receiver on on that team. Jefferson got more receptions, um, but Chase blew him out in receiving yards. it blew everyone out. Um, and he led uh, I, he not only led the nation in, in receiving touchdowns. I believe he broke the SEC record. I, I think he had 20 touchdowns. Um, the so that's that's the one part of it. Um, but th- then you, you start to think about it a little more and it gets crazier because Jamar Chase was 19 years old at that time. And then the next season, Justin Jefferson goes out and has perhaps the best season, rookie season in NFL history. And so when you think about it contextually, it sort of blows your mind. Um, now, you know, of course, Jamar Chase didn't play uh, this past season. Right. And so he's, he's one of those guys where, you know, like we talked about before, you have to do a little bit more projecting and then, you know, you have to trust that he's going to come. I mean, like, you know, in the past, like it would, (laughs) there's been very few instances in the past where a guy took a year off and then he was in, in the draft. And as you guys know, in the past, that was always seen as like a very scary thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. Mike Williams. Oh, he, he, he took a year off and now he's back in, in, in the draft and then, you know, he flamed out and then, you know, it's like a vaunted, you know, like Maurice Claret and stuff like that. Um, but now we got a lot of guys like that. So, you know, we'll have to see. But just as far as, as the season uh, Chase had, you would put Chase's 2019 season up there with uh, Devonta Smith's 2020 because Smith was, what, 22 when he did it? Um, I mean, he was a couple years and and Smith, it was his fourth year in college. He was two years further along, um, at that point. So, um, and, and Smith also did not have to share the field with, I mean, you know, other – at least another NFL – I mean, Mechie, I I suppose. But, um, you know, Waddle got injured in that uh, fourth or fifth game, and so then it was just funneling the usage at at Devonta, whereas, you know, on on that team with Chase, it wasn't just Jefferson. You also had Terrace Marshall who's going to go in the second round uh, in this class. You had uh, Randy Moss's kid who was one of the top UDFAs last year, and then, of course, you had Clyde Edwards, E. Lair. Um, you also had racy McMath, who could be a, a late day three pick in this class. So, I mean, to, to put up the numbers he did, historical numbers on 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 a team that had that much talent is is pretty impressive. At nineteen,
1: yeah, Jamar. Yeah. Uh, as you know, we're like a fantasy football um, podcast. Jamar Chase is like someone I consider to be like I don't. I'm a little confused as to why people aren't just ranking him as their. Um, is he your first wide receiver? I, I to me, it's obvious he's the first wide receiver, I I'm a little confused as to how people aren't just, just doing it. Like, I understand he missed a 2020 season, but come on. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I think,
2: yeah, no. And, and he is, he's, he's my number one. Um, I think, you know, the, the top three are all, you know, it's sort of like last year where like all three of the top guys are really good. Um, and you know, they're in a tier of their own and they all are very different. Right. And so I think like, in some ways it comes down almost to more of the taste of the evaluator like I, I think like the people that take waddle you know they just sort of like the the idea of like a you know the, the guy that you have to pay attention to on every play you know like the the field tipper guy like oh you know he's out there you have to pay attention to him all the time you know like mm-hmm. Um, you know, that sort of a thing. Um, obviously, the, the Devonta Smith guys, um, they just think he's Marvin Harrison reincarnate. And if, if that's the case, you have to put him at the top of your board. And um, the Chase guys are like 19 years old, 19 year olds that do that are sort of unprecedented. And so you, you have to put him at the top. So um, I guess I'm in the latter camp. But I, you know, the, the guys in the former camps, I, I, I you know, I, I guess I can see what what leads them there. I think it's like the J- Jerry Ju- Judy versus C.D. Lamb debate of last year, kind of like
0: very much a parallel of that. Because you are like, do you want the guy who can run the crisper routes and and be that guy who's going to catch a hundred balls? Are you to be or you? Do you want the guy who's going to be the 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 difference maker? Well, um, sure. And in
2: in in your metaphor, Waddle would be Rugs. Only right. only I, Waddle, Waddle's a better prospect than Rugs, and Rugs ended up being the first taken of the three last year yeah so it's gonna like this one this one of the three is even more wide open um any of those three guys could be the first taken um when the when the draft goes i mean you know any order for those three honestly but you know again for me it is chase
0: uh Uh, go ahead mike
1: i want to say uh, your running back rankings a little bit spicier um who you have at the top in javante williams Yep. Uh, a lot of people have ETN up there, of course, or uh, Najee mm-hmm. Harris. What is it about Javante Williams and his running style that excites you so much?
2: Yeah, like um, if, y- if you compare him to uh, Najee, just sort of apples to apples, um, he is uh, more than two years younger than Najee, and he's a better runner than Najee is um, and he also just had a better season than any season that Najee did and he did it behind a brutal offensive line by any metric the the unc offensive line the last two seasons stunk whereas Najee every season ran behind a fabulous offensive line um i think javanta is not only does he have better speed than than harris he also has better burst um breaks more tackles he's more violent Um, he's not quite, um, he's not as good of a receiver. Like Najee is really a next level, fabulous receiver. I, I consider Najee sort of a second tight end on the field, uh, sort of as a receiver. Um, but Javante Williams is underrated as a receiver. Um, earlier in the process, I saw people nitpicking him as a receiver and I just don't think that they'd done done enough work or they hadn't watched him and I'm not really sure. Um, but I think that they were missing it. Um, I, I also saw them just sort of in general nitpick as third down utility. Um, that might be from old work or that, you know, I'm not sure, but uh, Javonta Williams took over for Michael Carter as the pass blocking back this year. And he did a lot better um, in that that uh, metric than he'd done in the past. He clearly made a lot of um, uh, strides in that. Uh, the only reason that Javonta hadn't gotten more uh, passing work before in his career because he happened to be on the same team as essentially the second cl- coming of Clyde Edwards, E. Lair, Michael Carter. He's, I mean, like those guys are two of the better receiving backs that we've had in college football the last five years. Uh, you have to have Michael Carter on the field there in passing downs. You just do. Um, so, but what that served to do in conjunction with Javonta Williams coming out as a third year junior is Javonta Williams, his, his wear and tear is, extremely minimal especially for the type of back he is which is just um just a you know just he's just a violent man right and and for for a guy that that breaks as many tackles as he does etc um he, you know he just hasn't been used as much the, the other thing i'll say about him last year just to put it sort of in context you know their offensive line by all the advanced metrics these past couple of years you know it's been like ranked in the 80s and 90s etc like it was last year Um, Javante Williams last year had, um, the number one, um, season of the PFF college grading era of any running back. Wow. Yeah. Any, any running back. Um, so I mean, just like, I, I don't know that people have a full extent exactly of what he did last year. Um, but it was a really special, uh, thing. Uh, I want to ask you about one guy that is, seems to be
0: on a rocket ship, um, dollar sign GME style. Um, when, when people talk about him, I, I saw an article the other day that was titled, if there was one person in this draft that's guaranteed to be a hall of famer, it would be Kyle Pitts. uh The tight end out of Florida that many are saying is really a wide receiver in a tight ends body. Six, 240 pounds prolific. Do you see the same thing in Kyle Pitts or, Are you completely sold like everybody else?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I, I mean, I'd probably have to say uh, Trevor Lawrence. Although uh, the at the at the position that Pitts plays, it, it might be an easier trajectory there. Um, but yeah, I, he's a Pitts is a really fabulous prospect. Um, just as far as like a a, a receiving tight end, um, since I've been doing this, there's just not really a guy that you can compare him to. Um, you'd have to go back a really long time, probably before my time. Um, guys that are that big, that fluid, that athletic. Um, and that damn smooth catching the ball. Like it's just a different thing. Um, it, It's basically impossible to cover him with a linebacker, or a safety. It certainly wasn't college. Um, This is, you know, like the past couple years, you know, you started to hear that cliche of like, Oh, defensive chess piece, defensive chess piece, defensive chip. The reason you started hearing that stuff is for people like Kyle Pitts. Be- you need mutants and freaks on defense. Cause uh, I think defensive coordinators know where this thing is going and they know that freaks like Kyle Pitts are coming. And so like, you need the enormous guys that can run on, on defense, or you don't have a chance to stop a guy like, like Kyle Pitts. Um, so like, and you can line them up anywhere, you know I mean? Like we we were just talking about the top receivers in the class Pitts, If you, if he was just a receiver, um, he would be in the, you would have to put him in that group, uh, with the top three and he would be in the discussion for wide receiver. One, he's easily the top end line, uh tight end. Um, so, I mean, you know, when he gives effort as a blocker, he's not, he's not Evan Ingram, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's not, he's not a matador guy. He tries, you know, he's, he's got length and movement, you know, if, if nothing else, you know, and he, like I said, he tries, Um, he's, he, he's not, he's not TJ Hawkins and he's not, you know, not ever going to be an all world blocker, but you know, he, he tries. Um, I mean, so, so he's just, he's a really unique prospect and whatever team gets him their, their passing offense is immediately going to be better. All right, so you're just fresh off 10,000 words, so we're
0: going to let you go after this last question because I know you can use some rest, get get a sandwich or something, and then – Get a drink at least. Yeah, get a drink at least. (laughs) But you are 50 wide receivers in. You're 50 running backs in. So the question I want to know is who is one under-the-radar player that people should be paying attention to that if he finds the right spot, (coughs) he could make an immediate impact? next season kind of kind of like an antonio gibson type guy that you've scouted
2: yeah let me take uh me i take just want look. the
0: people to know because they can't see this right now how your eyes lit up
2: when i asked that question <laughs> <laughs> yeah i gotta okay so I'm, I'm i'm definitely gonna give you a couple um um jalen darden he, he's become a name that's so popular that yeah, i don't even know that he's a sleeper anymore, but. Um, You know, it was just because like he went to North Texas, so not as many people got to see him early. So I don't think people need to be suspicious that now all of a sudden people are talking. about It's just because they finally got to watch him at at North Texas. If he'd gone to uh, Alabama or or Clemson, we would have been talking about Jalen Darden a long time ago. He's he's a stupid athletic slot, um, you know, joystick agility, et cetera. Uh, He just breaks people's ankles, you know, like the stop, start. He just stop, start, stop, start, stop, start um that that sort of like in conference usa it was just like dumb he'd have like people you know defensive backs running into each other like crap like that um so like i i like him a lot um th- th- this guy not for next year um but like for like three years like a couple years down the line like if i was in a, a a deeper fantasy thing i think this guy will fall way down um i i, I might take a, a stab on him as anthony schwartz because he's he's going to go into the nfl as the probably the nfl's fastest player he's i mean just stupid stupid fast um like he was he was ranked the number one uh uh, track recruit like two years ago like he's won like amateur gold medals and like stuff like that um and he told uh he told a reporter a couple days ago that he was going to break or that he would have broken john ross's 40 record if there had been a combine and and he ran a 427 in high school so he's he's probably telling the truth um, but like he's super unrefined and unfortunately he went to Auburn where Bo Nicks was his quarterback and Bo Nicks, his accuracy is, is abysmal. Um, so it was a really bad fit for Anthony Schwartz. So Anthony Schwartz needs a lot of work, but that kind of speed, um, you, you can't, it doesn't grow on trees. So uh, like, he's a guy who's going to fall probably into day three, but like, if I was, you know, a fantasy person, he, he's a guy that I would, I would certainly keep an eye on. Um, and then as like, as, as far as like, um, Sort of late. Oh, by the way, one guy I don't like that a lot of fantasy people seem to like. A couple of them I don't like: Diami Brown, not a not a Diami guy. Um, I don't like Amari Rogers. I don't like yeah. Seth Williams. Um, so I would Daddy? have the, I would have those guys on the no-buy uh, list. Some other like uh, lower guys I like. I like Jonathan Adams a lot. I like Shy Smith a lot. Um, he's a super reliable slot. Um, I like Austin Watkins a lot. Austin Watkins. Um, A couple years ago, he led the nation, I believe, in deep uh, ball yards. And last season, if I'm remembering this right, I do not believe he dropped one ball. And I think over his career, he may have only dropped, like, one. And so he's a guy that can both sort of get deep but also doesn't drop the ball, um, which is nice to see. Um, Those are a couple guys. Warren Jackson's really interesting um, because he's he's 6'6". and he and he's he's talented too he's he's got uh, ball skills um if nothing else he's going to be Colin Johnson but he could be better so like you know and, and no one's talking about him he's he's gonna go late um Tim jo- th- this is this is a crazy deep sleeper no one I, I I've not not heard this guy's name once Tim Jones from Southern miss is a much better receiver than people think um S- southern miss was just a tire fire last year. Um, but Tim Jones is extremely fast and he's, he's reliable too. And so I think when um, NFL teams start getting into his tape, he's a guy that could, um, you know, be a guy that could could end up going the fifth or sixth round. Um, Whereas he's just totally off people's radar right now. Um, So those are, I I would say those are a couple um, guys, you know, and, and there's just a bunch of like, like household names that I, I I I think stink like Frank Darby stinks, you know. Like there, there there's a lot of these guys that I I see on like Twitter, like they're like, you know I'm just like no, that guy sucks. <laughs> um, but I did anyway. want
1: to I did want to ask you uh one last question: Kadarius Tony, yes or no? Because there's a lot of I love Kadarius Tony and a lot of I hate Kadarius Tony. There's a th- there's the thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, th- th-
2: thumbs down for me. I got him um, uh, wide receiver nine. So for me, you know, in my on my big board or whatever, like I'll probably have him ranked around like 50 or something like that. Um, I mean, he has a utility for sure. But like, you know, for me, you know, I would draft him around like where Paris Campbell got drafted or whatever. You know, they're you know, I mean, because, you know, or or, or um, what's in it? Curtis Samuel. Right. Like to me, that's where you pick um, space players. And that's what he manufactured touch guys. That's what he is. I mean, he, and he's, he's literally never been anything else. Like, I I think it's funny that people are like, um, you know, the the, everyone's going nuts about Kadarius Tony, but like it it seems like we have one of these guys every year and they just never pan out, you know, and every year, you know, everyone's just like, Oh, this is the year for Curtis Samuel. Oh, this is the year for Paris. It's like, no, it's not. It's not because they don't know how to run routes. They can't catch the ball downfield. They can't catch the ball in contested situations. The only way they can ever get the ball is if no one's around them. They're in space and it's somewhere right around the line of scrimmage. It's like, it's, it's an extended handoff. Right. Um, And so that's what Tony is like, Tony, like, you know, you'll read in some scouting reports like, Oh, you know, Kadarius Tony's, you know, he's stupid athletic and he's, he has awesome hands. And it's like, no, actually, I mean, like he only had three drops in college But he only had, I I think, like five contested catches, Mm. and and then if you go and look at his heat chart, the reason is because all of his catches are within five yards (laughs) of the line of scrimmage or behind it, and so it's like, oh, he has he has good hands catching screens. Who the fuck doesn't? Like, um, so you know, and then it's just running after the catch. So, um, you know, I mean, if you want to take Kadarius Tony, you pick fifteen, and then just dream oh he's gonna learn how to run all the routes great do it um that's that's what they did with Samuel that's what they did with Campbell I mean like we have been doing it for millennia. Uh, go ahead and knock yourself out um you know you can even I'll even buy the argument that Kadarius Tony is slightly more athletic than those guys. That's fine um but Kadarius Tony has never run routes. Um, he's never caught the ball in traffic um he, he and unlike um, for instance Schwartz, uh, some of those guys, he does not have sprinter speed. Um, I mean, he, he's fast, um, but his thing is more like explosion and change of direction. You know, like he's another guy that like breaks a lot of ankles. Um, but he's not like a four three guy. Right. And so, um, anyway, I I don't get it as much with Kadarius Tony. He was, he's, he's a one year wonder. And the one year he did it, it's in a Dan Mullen offense. Dan Mullen's one of the best play callers in college football. And a Dan Mullen offense on a team quarterback by Kyle Trask, where you're playing in between the, the greatest uh, move tight end that we have seen in modern college football. And then on the other side, you had Trevon Grimes, who's this 6'4", you 6'5", know, six, six, monster that um, you know, defenses had to attend to as well. And so you talk about a perfect situation for a space player. Yeah. How the fuck are you going to double team Kadarius Tony? And that's you had to double team Pitts on every play. You, yeah. you gonna you gonna leave you gonna leave Grimes uh, <laughs> uncovered? I so I mean again, j- just an absolute perfect situation for him. And still, it was his fourth year on campus, and he still didn't prove that he could run routes because he still can't. Um I mean, you know, if if someone can sort of magically, you know, whatever. I, but he hasn't done it yet. You know, I for for my I have to judge you on on you know what you've done and if he'd shown a little bit of it, you know, I I could perhaps um project but it is the same thing with Campbell <clears throat> and the same thing with Samuel. I was lower on those guys than, <clears throat> than other folks were for this exact same reason. Um I I don't like players that um they the only way they can get the ball is you know, if, if within five line, yards of line of scrimmage or, or shorter where they're just, you know, in space, cause that's a manufactured touch. I, I want a guy again, who, you know, run a route, create separation on his own and all three sectors of the field can, <clears throat> you know, can, can, um, uh, test the defense. If Kadarius Tony could do that, that would be a different story. Um, but for me, he is, he is still not proven that he can do that. So, um, it's 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 a pass for me. As, as, you know so long as he's not going. You know so, so long as he's going above the middle of the second round.
0: If you didn't already know, now you know. After those knowledge bombs have been dropped, why Thor Nyström is the first ever. Three time guest on the Broto Fantasy Football Podcast, a a great friend of the show. Thank you so much for coming on and dropping your knowledge on us. Um, If they already don't, if they don't know already, which they should, if you are a Broto listener, tell them where they could find you and where they could read your stuff.
2: Um, Yeah, I'm on Twitter at at Thorku, uh, and my stuff is now at uh, NBC Sports Edge. I have to think about that because I (laughs) I said Broto World for 12 years, and now it's NBC Sports Edge. Um, You can find our stuff on the. NFL draft section, um, and as the guys mentioned, I literally put out the wide receiver uh, rankings uh, about sixty seconds before I, I hopped on here, um, and I gotta go and finish editing them uh, once I jump off here. So um, go and check those out. They are they are literally fresh, fresh, whatever, however you say that. My brain's too fried, hot, <laughs> hot off the presses, I guess. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> hot, hot off the presses. Yeah, so so check out the receivers. I've already done quarterbacks and running backs. Uh, next, we're going to move to tight ends. The other thing I need to plug is one thing I'm super excited about is um, every week now I'm doing a new show on Twitch with an NFL agent named Lindsey Crook, and the show, the show is called NFL Draft War Room with Thor and Lindsey. And basically, it's just an hour conversation with Lindsey and I, but it's on Twitch, and so anyone that is tuning, you know, you, t- you can tune in live. But not only that, you can um, type in questions, um, and so anyone that wants to can ask Lindsay questions. And um, as people who have who watched the first episode know, Lindsay is is very open. I ask him uh, very pointed questions. He he talks to me about the analytics that they have at their uh, boutique agency to go after prospects. They they have a full board just like I do. We we argue about rankings stuff like that, um, and then also you know sort of a peek behind. Um, the curtain you know of because he 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 sees a lot more stuff than i do um in in his industry um and so it's really interesting um so it's it's a good conversation and um an opportunity if, if you have questions um for an nfl agent to to ask them um and on um we usually that's usually on uh, wednesday nights but this week uh we had to move it to thursday so this week it's going to be on Thursday night and I'm very excited for this episode because of the Isaiah Wilson news Mm -hmm. um, because Lindsay's agency was in on Isaiah Wilson um, until the very end and then Isaiah Wilson signed with a different agency and I knew from the last process I had talked with Lindsay at length about Isaiah Wilson and Lindsay had a lot of takes and uh, (laughs) when the Isaiah Wilson news came out (laughs) uh, Lindsay had a lot of takes Um, and so I, I cannot wait to be live um, to see how many takes Lindsay is willing to <laughs> disseminate when we are live on on Twitch. Um, and so I hope you will join me to see how much I could extract from this guy because I'm just going to put a you know a spigot in there and just see how much I could just <laughs> just drip out of him.
0: That sounds like something that is a must-see. Thank yeah. you again, uh, Thor Nystrom, for joining the podcast. We really appreciate it, man. Thanks so You all, got man. it, boys like we promised an encyclopedia of knowledge about college football, uh, Thor Nystrom, that was a phenomenal look into the rookie class. Um, look, a lot of you guys are going to be picking in like the second, third round of your dynasty drafts. He dropped some big time dimes, um, on who could be some values in that. Um, and some insights on the big, on the big names, uh, kind of confirmed what I was thinking about Zach Wilson, man. Like, I don't know about this whole Zach Wilson situation, and it's making me nervous day by day. I'm a I'm a Sam guy, you know I'm a Sam guy, Michael. So it's making me nervous. Um yeah. I kind of yeah. I
1: kind of want the Jets. Not even joking, to just go nuts, trade down for number two, and draft Trey Lance. Ugh. Talk about Ugh. talk about upside and fun. How fun would that
0: be? That <laughs> wouldn't be fun at all because it then be. it would just be a quarterback nightmare. Nah. I, we don't need a backup quarterback. What we need is, uh, we we could talk about this all day. We're Jets fans, but uh, Thor Nystrom giving us the inside information. Uh, Michael, where can they find you at Broto FF Mike? You can find me at Broto FF Tim. You can find Jason at Broto FF Jason. You can find Casanova at Broto FF Casanova. See what we did there. Uh, the entire Broto team at your fingertips at Broto Fantasy as well on Twitter at Broto Fantasy and Espanol if you want to check out, um, the Spanish version, if you are a, a Spanish speaker, we love uh, our Spanish speaking fans, fans and our English speaking fans and our uh, you know speaking fans. Just people and who our speak in general, fans, and people who fans. don't speak. Yeah, we love them all. <laughs> we no, there are no fans unwelcome to Broto. That's for damn sure. And, um, and, and if the fans you're...
1: we love the most: patreoncom fantasy. You know, me. I'm gonna <laughs> say, me and Michael are on
0: the same. Me and Michael on the same page today. We've we've not told each it. other. We've told each other like 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 we've predicted each other's sentences exactly the bet ba- uh, f- <laughs> um if you're a fan of us patreon.com slash brodo fantasy if uh, also BrotoFantasy.com for all of the offseason stuff including my article that will be going up soon about the the fantasy impact of dak prescott's uh signing um yeah what else oh the app duh the app will be available for you very soon we're going to be releasing A date it is going to be the only tool that you need to prepare yourselves for your 2021 season to win yourself a fantasy championship so with that being said thank you all for joining us we appreciate your patronage we appreciate your um support if you can go leave us a review on itunes that would be lovely and until next time peace later